Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. We are going to conclude a series today that we've been in. This is the fourth week, and it's called Everything Goes South. So what we've been doing this entire year is we're going through the Bible together week by week chronologically. So from we started January 1st in Genesis, and here we are now uh, quite a bit of the way through the Old Testament. And so we are finishing up this series that's on the southern kingdom that's called Judah. So it's still the, Jewish, the ancient Jewish people. It's still God's chosen people. It's the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, same idea, same setup every week with the prophets that we're in right now is that the people of God have strayed from serving him and worshiping him only through a lot of different ways. And so God will send prophets to them to warn them to turn back to him. And today we're going to sort of see how the story ends up for Judah, the southern kingdom, as we look at the prophet Jeremiah. So he's one of the most well-known prophets. He's one of the longest prophetic books in the Old Testament, so he gets quite a bit of play. But today as we look at Jeremiah in the last week of this series, we're going to have a discussion on discouragement. We're going to have a discussion on discouragement. So we're going to look at both the book of Jeremiah and the following book called Lamentations. So Jeremiah is basically the story, the life of Jeremiah, the ministry of Jeremiah. There's a lot of sort of biographical information in the book about him that we'll talk about today and also his a lot of his prophecies that are in there and then lamentations is really a kind of a poem or a song that he wrote uh, about what he finds as we'll talk about the destruction of jerusalem and the the nation of judah today's going to be kind of rapid fire okay guys i'm going to warn you i got quite a bit i'm going to try to get through i know last week was a lot kind of like fire hose message this week's going to be similar in that there's a lot i want to get to so basically i'm going to sort of make a broad point with the scripture and talk about it for a second and move right along okay we're going to have a discussion on discouragement so what we're going to look at first are reasons for discouragement anybody ever been discouraged before yeah okay sure um we've all faced it and so what we're going to look at here at the beginning are three main reasons for discouragement we're going to kind of set ourselves up with the bad news before we get into some good news I promise the good news is coming guys all right let's look at some reasons for discouragement today in the life of jeremiah the first main reason that we experience discouragement is because of failure failure let's look at the very beginning of Lamentations. so we'll get to Jerem- the book of jeremiah here in just a minute but let's start with his sort of song or poem that he writes the very beginning of it kind of shows this idea of failure that causes discouragement so we're going to start in lamentations chapter 1 verse 1 the very beginning here to set the scene uh, I, jeremiah writes this jerusalem once so full of people is now deserted she who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. She sobs through the night, tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. Now skip to verse number seven, Lamentations 1 verse seven. In the midst of her sadness and wandering, Jerusalem remembers her ancient splendor. 
But now she has fallen to her enemy and there is no one to help her. Her enemy struck her down and laughed as she fell. Jeremiah is a unique prophet in that he is one of very few prophets who actually get to live out the fulfillment of their prophecy. So God, again, for decades now, has sent prophet after prophet to warn Judah and Jerusalem of coming destruction if they don't turn to him. Jeremiah is the last in this line, and he actually lives to see the fall of Jerusalem. So he warns them for a couple of decades. We'll talk more about specifically what that looks like in a minute. But he prophesies about this coming destruction from Babylon, the world superpower at the time. And in 586 BC, near the end of Jeremiah's life, that happens. Babylon, number one power in the world, comes and just ransacks Jerusalem, burns the whole capital city to the ground. There's not much left there when they're done. And Jeremiah, actually, if you look at Jeremiah 39 and 52, he actually records this event. He writes some of those details down that he sees and witnesses himself. And so after they're destroyed, the Babylonians then take the, the people of Judah into what's called the exile, where for at least 70 years, they are under Babylonian control in Babylon. And that's where we'll go the next couple of weeks. We'll look at that story of some of these people from Judah who live in Babylon and even a prophet who is living during that time as well. So we're going to go the next couple of weeks. But here's what we see with this is Judah had a nationwide failure. And it led to over 150 years of nationwide discouragement. Because see, they're, they're under Babylonian captivity for 70 years, but then the Babylonians get overtaken and they're still not freed yet. And then some people are freed, and then, but most still live in Babylon. And then two or three waves of people over about a 100-year period go back. So this failure caused 150-plus years of national disappointment. Their failure led to discouragement. Jeremiah himself, by almost every metric you can measure was a failure himself. Let's look at how that is. So I'm just going to give a brief synopsis of parts of Jeremiah here that show he was a big fat flop. No one listened to him. No one liked him. He had no converts in 40 years of ministry. He only had one friend that we know of. Uh, he had no ministry success and is known still to this day as the weeping prophet. That's his legacy, that he was a big crybaby, all right? So that, that's who this guy is. Let's look at this. Jeremiah 11 talks about a plot against Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah 12, even his family turn against him. Jeremiah 18, a rumor is spread about him to try to discredit his prophecy. Jeremiah 20, a priest in the nation has Jeremiah arrested, whipped, and put in stocks simply for speaking God's word. Jeremiah 37, he's falsely accused of teaming up with, because at this time, Babylon is kind of on their way in, and he's trying to figure out what we're going to do. He's falsely accused of conspiring with the Babylonians, even though that's not true, and he is arrested and flogged. The next chapter in Jeremiah 38, he's taken from the prison he's in and thrown into an empty well left to die. And only when someone who kind of has connections to him and the king basically beg for his life is he taken out of this well. And then in Jeremiah 43, as Jerusalem falls, uh, Jeremiah is taken really against his will to Egypt. And that's where he ends up spending the last few years of his life is in Egypt watching Babylon take over the entire region. Not a great resume 
for Jerry here, okay? Not a great resume. If you're talking about life success, ministry success, this is not it. Jeremiah's life is perpetual failure. It is constant disappointment. It is constant discouragement. Has failure ever gotten you discouraged before? You know, uh, maybe you keep, maybe you're, you're like this. I have a great idea for a business or a product, but I never have seen it through before. You can feel discouraged by that. I can't, I can't commit to anything. I have ideas, but not any real know-how. That can be discouraging. Maybe you've experienced a failed marriage, and people are like, can you ever have one long-term romantic relationship that isn't totally unhealthy? And maybe you talk to yourself, and you think, I'm just going to be alone forever. There can be discouragement from failure. Maybe you, like many, almost all of us, make the same New Year's resolutions every year. You know, and maybe you would think every, every January 1st, I'm going to lose that 20 pounds this year. And then the next year, now it's 25 pounds I'm going to lose this year. Maybe that's where you are. And so failure leads to discouragement. Maybe there's a habit that for years you tried to kick and for a while it's successful and then something happens and throws that whole plan off and here you are back where you started, maybe worse. Maybe even in your faith, you are discouraged because you're not seeing any growth and you feel like I'm spinning my wheels and I have a desire closer to God, but I keep failing and I keep falling and I keep sinning and I feel like I can't get any traction. I can't get any progress. That can be discouraging. Failure certainly can lead to discouragement. The second main cause, fear, or the reason for fear, or for, I gave it away, didn't I? The second reason for discouragement is fear. Fear. We see this at the very beginning of Jeremiah's uh, ministry as a young man when God calls him to be a prophet. Jeremiah 1 6. Here's, so God's called him to be his prophet, and he says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. So Jeremiah deals with fear of inadequacy, fear of inability. Maybe you can relate to those fears. How many times have you said, I can't do something? Someone asks you to do something or you feel like you're supposed to do something, but you all have, you have these reasons why you can't, why it won't work. You feel like you're never going to measure up. You feel like you're never good enough. That is discouraging. That is fear. And sometimes that leads, we're going to see now how these begin to work with each other to make this a downward spiral of discouragement. Because what can happen is, first, our fear discourages us from doing something, and then we're discouraged because of our fear. So then, and then we live in regret and we live with all of these, you know, what ifs that we deal with. Let me give you maybe one of the biggest what ifs of all time, just very quickly. So there was a man, you may never have known of his name. Uh, his name is Don Wayne, not John Wayne, Don Wayne, okay? He's one of the co-founders of Apple, the computer company. In 1976, Mr. Wayne owned 10% of the company called Apple, he decided in 1976 to sell his 10% back to the other co-owners for $800. They actually sent him an additional check of $1,200 just to seal the deal. So for $2,000, this man sold 10% of the company called Apple. If he still had that today, that's worth now $200 billion. Now, I hate to rub it in on Mr. Wayne, you know, but he's probably dealt with discouragement because of the fear that he had. These guys may not, this may not work. I'm going to try to cash in what I can now and not lose everything. 
So that can be discouraging. Fear can be discouraging, and, it can, and then it can cause more discouragement. Sometimes we deal with fear of the unknown, and this is really what Judah is facing right now as Babylon has destroyed their, everything they know. They're thinking, okay, what, what now? Like, is Babylon just going to kill us all? Are we going to be their slaves forever? What, are we ever going to see our homeland again? Are our families going to be separated? Like, what's going to happen? There's fear of the unknown that Judah is dealing with. And if you've ever been at a major crossroads in your life, you probably know what that fear is like and how discouraging it can be. Whenever you face a big decision, sometimes all you can think about is the risk involved in that decision. Sometimes when you're faced with a big decision, you're like, okay, blue pill, red pill, what if I make the wrong choice? Right or left, what if I go the wrong direction? We think about the what ifs, the unknowns, the risk, and that can be discouraging. Sometimes as we tie these first two together, sometimes we deal with the fear of failure. So we've tied both of these in that work together, the compounded interest on our discouragement. Sometimes if we have had a track record of failure, we, feel we fear more failure. Not that I don't know it's going to work out, but I've tried it before. It didn't work out. If I try it again, am I going to be a double failure, a triple failure? We deal with that. And when we look at Jeremiah, we can't blame him if he's discouraged because of fear. There's reason for him to be afraid. People have it out for him literally to kill him. There are multiple plots on his life. There's all sorts of people who, powerful people who are out to get him. So I can't blame him if he's going to be a little bit paranoid, looking over his shoulder all the time, looking around every corner all the time, worried about what's going to happen. Fear can lead to discouragement. And really what that does is it sort of takes the fun out of life, Right? Some of the joy that we talked about today, discouragement sucks that out of your life. That's what fear does and the discouragement that comes with fear. Let's look at the last reason uh, for discouragement and then we'll talk about what we do with that. The third main reason, there, and there are more than three, but these are the three we're going to talk about today. The third reason for discouragement is what I'm going to call fatigue. Fatigue. We see this in Jeremiah again. This is Jeremiah. Let's look at chapter 8, Jeremiah 8. We'll look at verses 18 through 22 and just listen to Jeremiah. He's getting tired. He's getting worn out. He's ready to quit here, okay? He says this, Jeremiah 8, 18, My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people ask? Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord? The harvest is finished and the summer is gone. The people cry, yet we are not saved. And then listen to what Jeremiah says. He says, I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? You can hear Jeremiah's fatigue in this passage. I hurt. I mourn. We need healing. Sometimes life can be a lot. And what happens when we get run down is we become so incredibly tired in life. Maybe you're tired of waiting for an answer to a prayer or a question. Maybe you're tired of waiting for something to change or someone to change. It can be exhausting. We can grow fatigued in that. Maybe you've been carrying a heavy load, maybe uh, for your family, maybe at your job, you're overworked and underpaid, you get fatigued. 
Maybe you're tired of just laboring for so long. And where's the white flag? I need to find it real quick so I can get out of this thing. Fatigue is a real thing. And here, as we've already said, these compile on top of each other. Here's the problem. One main problem with fatigue is that it creates a cycle of discouragement. Similar to the other one that we talked about, okay? Uh, discouragement can cause fatigue, and fatigue can cause discouragement. And on and on and on it goes. And the more fatigued we get, the more discouraged we become, the less resistant we are to more fatigue. And then guess what happens? And then the fear comes in while we're fatigued, right? And then we think about how we're a failure when, all, when we're tired, we're more vulnerable to those doubts, we're more vulnerable to the enemy coming in, whispering things about we're never good enough, even God's quit on you, like you just need to hang it up, give it up, just stop, no one cares, no one believes in you, right? That's what happens, we get fatigued and worn down, and we hear things that aren't completely true, we believe things that we shouldn't give any attention to, it comes with fatigue, it can spiral into not just discouragement, but even despair. So we have to understand and acknowledge failure can be part of discouragement, fear can lead to discouragement, and then fatigue just makes it that much worse. So the question is, what's the solution? What's the answer? What do we do? So we have three reasons for discouragement. So for a little bit here, let's look at three remedies for discouragement. Three remedies for discouragement. We're going to try, I'm going to try my best to make these line up, and we're going to attack the three um, reasons with a remedy for each, okay? So three remedies for discouragement. The first one, if we're looking at discouragement because of failure, the remedy to that is simply what I'm going to call stubbornness. The remedy to discouragement that comes from failure is simply stubbornness. Look here again at Jeremiah 20, verse 9. So we know that Jeremiah is getting worn down. We know that he's tired. We know that he's like, hey, what's going on, God? What are you doing? Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he says this. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns like it burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. There are certainly times Jeremiah felt like quitting. And we would not, we would think he's justified in quitting. He has every reason to stop doing what he's doing. He's meeting so much opposition. He has so many people out to get him that are conspiring against him. But Jeremiah possessed spiritual stubbornness. He says here, even if I wanted to quit, something inside of me just wouldn't let me do it. It would just know this is the wrong thing to do. I have this thing that God has commissioned me to do, he's called me to do, and I'm not finished with that assignment yet, so quitting now would be a failure, okay? So he even says, I'm worn out trying to hold it in. Maybe for a while he went on strike. Okay, God, I'm gonna zip it, I'm not gonna do it, and he's like, oh, I just, that's, you ever been born, to, you feel like I was born to do this thing? You ever felt like that? Like, I've got this gift, this talent, this interest, whatever. I was born to do this thing. If you know what that feels like, you know what Jeremiah is talking about. If you have this thing that's just inside of you, you can't help but do it. As much as you try to stop doing it when things get difficult or you may have an issue with this thing or hobby or whatever or a setback in your career that you were born to do, you just know, I can't quit. Something inside of me will not let me do that. If you have a strong sense of purpose, you know you have to see it through. There's no option here for you. And, and here's, here's what we see here. Uh, we, we see why uh, 
Jeremiah did this, why he kept going. It's because he had that purpose. It's because he knew he had, God had a plan for him. Let's go again back to the very beginning of Jeremiah. I know we're going all over the place. Jeremiah chapter one, again, when God first calls him, Jeremiah would have to remind himself, I think many times over the years of this moment. Okay, Jeremiah one, verse five, God says this to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And in the verse that we already read, his response, O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken." Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Ultimately, Jeremiah's stubbornness came from the understanding that God knew about his plan all along. So again, let's remember, God works above time and space. Time is not a thing that means anything to him. So of course, when God calls Jeremiah, he knows he's going to meet opposition the entire way, yet he still calls him. He doesn't tell him, hey, Jeremiah, this is going to be really rough for you, bro. 40 years of zero results, maybe only one real friend, lots of death threats, lots of plots against your life, powerful people coming against you. He doesn't give him that, though. That would be nice, right? If God would have said, by the way, you know, uh, but he does it. He just says, hey, I'm going to give you the words to say. Let's look at, let's break it down. He says, you're going to go where I send you. You're going to say what I tell you. I will be with you. I will protect you because I have spoken. I'm going to put my words in your mouth as I appoint you. See how God's taking ownership of all this? So as much as Jeremiah seems like a failure, it's God taking all the risk because it's his plan. He's saying, hey, you're speaking what I tell you to speak. So it's, I'm the one at risk here, right? It's, it's you that may look foolish in some way, but they're actually laughing at me. It may seem like it's you they're rejecting, but really they're rejecting me. God's putting himself on the line here, and Jeremiah is as well, but it's really God here who is, I guess we could say, is the ultimate failure because they don't just reject Jeremiah. We've already established that. Every prophet, whoever came to the people, they rejected, including the Son of God himself, okay? So it's God, really, if we look at failure in those terms, who is the most epic failure of all time. Even now, a majority of the people who have ever lived in the history of the world have rejected God. He has a terrible batting average. So if we look, God's putting himself out there. It's, his, it's the risk that he's taking, and so I think that's important to see that that might even motivate uh, Jeremiah a little bit to see that aspect, of, which we'll get to here more in just one second. So Thomas Edison, the famous inventor, he once said this. He said, I'm not discouraged because every wrong attempt discarded is another step forward. So, it, you know, famous story took him well over a thousand separate um, tries, attempts, experiments to perfect the light bulb. But that's what he says, I'm not discouraged because every wrong attempt discarded is another step forward. I know that doesn't work, so I can stop doing that. I know this is the incorrect order. Let's change the order and not do that order again because we know it's not right. He didn't get discouraged, didn't quit, 
similarly to Jeremiah, now not on the epic scale, but he knew he had a purpose. He knew he had something here, so he stayed stubborn. So Jeremiah was stubborn, but we also see here God is also extremely stubborn, and that's a good thing. Let's look again back in Lamentations. So if you're flipping around, sorry to do that to you, but Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to see God is very much uh, stubborn, and that's good for Jeremiah and for us too. Lamentations 3, verse 19. Uh, Jeremiah is writing here, he says this, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Remember what? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Again, time after time, year after year, generation after generation, God's people continually reject God. Yet, time after time, year after year, generation after generation, God sticks with them because he is faithful or you could say he's extremely stubborn. He's telling his people over and over again, you can't get rid of me that easy. You you can quit me, but I'm not gonna quit you. God is extremely stubborn and that's good news because when we fail, God doesn't fail. And I'll go one step further. God cannot fail. That's a universal impossibility. Not only does God not fail, God cannot fail, even when we do, time after time after time. When we mess up, God forgives. When we blow it, God extends grace. When we're faithless, God remains faithful. So again, when it comes to failure, which is what we're talking about here, fighting discouragement from failure, your failures don't have to define you. Your failures don't have to stop you or discourage you. The key is, stubbornness. I'm not going to quit just because it didn't work out this time. I'm going to try to figure out what went wrong and move forward. I'm not going to let one mistake keep me from taking another chance because maybe this next one will work. I'm not going to do something, you know, that is a knee-jerk reaction to this thing that happened because that might make things even worse. I'm I'm not going to allow failure to stop me because I'm going to possess this stubbornness like not only Jeremiah had, but that God has. So again, the second the second reason for discouragement was fear. So the remedy for discouragement from fear is simply strength. Back to Jeremiah chapter 1, the very beginning here. We're in Jeremiah 1 a lot. I should have said it at the beginning, I guess, but Jeremiah 1, verse 17. This is God, again, speaking to Jeremiah. He says, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Catch this next sentence. This is an amazing thing. God says to Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. I think that's kind of weird. I don't have a lot to say about that. That just really struck me a lot this week. That, that's weird. God's telling him, if you look afraid in front of them, I will make you look foolish in front of them. That's just interesting. Something to think about this week, all right? He goes on to say this, For see, today I have made you strong. Catch that. I have made you strong, like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land. So he does kind of tell him, right? You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
So when fear tries to discourage you, find strength. Jeremiah faced a lot of obstacles. Powerful people colluding against him, threats on his life, nothing working, things getting worse. But he had to find strength to continue. But the point is, where he found his strength. Was it in himself? Was it in his own amazing willpower that he possessed? No. His strength was found in God. Again, in the passage we just read, God says, don't be afraid of them, for I have, I have made you strong. Not I will when you think you need it, or not I may if I get around to it. He says, I've already strengthened you for what is ahead of you. He says, you will stand against them, but I am with you and I will take care of you. So his remedy for discouragement from fear is simply strength in God who called him to do this work. Was it difficult work? Obviously. Most work worth doing is going to be difficult. Okay, let's just be honest about this. As amazing as what you love to do might be, there are going to be discouraging things that come up. So to fight the fear that comes from the unknown or from fear of failure, we have to find strength in the Lord. So the, the famous Prime Minister Winston Churchill, he said this quote, I've used this before, but it's always good. He said, success is not final, fear is not fatal, it is the courage to continue that counts. I think sometimes why we struggle with fear maybe too much or so much is because we're trying to find strength in ourselves too often. The reason that we struggle with fear is because we're looking to ourselves for too much strength too often. And let me say this, if you try to find strength in life in yourself, you better be afraid, okay? If you're trying to think you can make it without God's help, you should be terrified because it's not gonna work. It will fail. You do not have what it takes within you on your own to do pretty much anything. We have to have the power, we talked about last week, the power of the Holy Spirit helping us to do pretty much everything. Like sometimes even going to work is a struggle. You have to have the encouragement and the power of the Holy Spirit in you to fight fear, to overcome that discouragement that comes from fear. It's not our own courage, not our own strength, but it's God's limitless strength that can help us overcome discouragement from fear. Here's the final one as we start to wrap it up. The, the third uh, reason for discouragement was from fatigue. And so the remedy for fatigue is simply silence. And this seems like a very deep spiritual principle, and it is, but it's also very natural. Think about when you are dog tired. You've had such, it's like a Friday night. You've had the longest week of your life. You know where you don't go to get rest? A monster truck rally. Okay? Where do you go? You go somewhere quiet, preferably dark, with really comfortable blankies and pillows, right? That's where you're going to find rest is in silence. And it's true spiritually as well. Psalm 46, verse 10, God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. How do we know God? In the stillness, in the silence. Life is really loud most of the time, isn't it? Especially now. 24-7 news, computers in my pocket, like, you know, more powerful computer in my pocket than got a man on the moon. Oh, right here, okay, you see that? that that's our life. 
We're go, go, go all the time. Life is loud. And so what happens, again, we combine these three reasons for discouragement. Our failures get really loud if we let them go too long. Our fear gets really loud if we let it go too long. And then our fatigue affects our hearing so that everything seems loud. I don't know what to do, where to go. We've got to learn how to be silent. Not just put your phone on silent, put you on silent. And I don't mean don't talk. That's not what I'm saying by be silent. I'm saying you got to learn how to do your life. You have to find those points and those pockets and those moments and those times where we can just clear out the clutter, where we can turn down the noise and hear God. Because here's the thing. If we are trying to fight discouragement, we have to create space for encouragement. It just makes perfect sense, but we don't do that probably often enough. I know I don't do this often enough. So if fatigue is causing discouragement, we have to make time for encouragement. And that's really why God instituted the idea of Sabbath. Typically, we think of Sabbath as, well, today I go to church. Today's the Sabbath, I'm going to church. Yes, that's true. I guess that's part of it. But the idea of Sabbath is to create a rhythm of rest in your life. God created humans. He knows how the human body works. He knows it will wear down and wear out. So he built in this great idea. He thought it was such an important idea to have a rhythm of rest that he made it one of his top 10 rules. He's saying one day a week, which that seems like a lot, right? One day a week, I'm supposed to like unplug and unwind and not do a whole lot and worship God and get with people and re-energize. God thought it was so important that we needed, he knows we need it so bad. He's like, you need it at least one day a week regularly. And if you don't, you will feel it. And when I don't, I feel it. Like I'm feeling it kind of today. It's been a busy last couple weeks. I got two more busy weeks coming up. So I'm in this mode where I've got some, sometimes, and here's the deal, like pastors only work on Sundays, right? I work one day a week and it's today. So this is not my Sabbath, right guys? Okay. That's not true. Uh, Well, the part about this not being my Sabbath is true. So guess what? I've got to find other times and ways to do that for me. My rhythm has got to work different. Okay. And I know that people, you, sometimes we have to work on the weekends. And for a long time, people are like, oh, you can't have a job on the weekend. I get that. I grew up in a church like that and a family like that, so I get that, right? That's just not how life tends to work. I mean, sometimes in certain situations, we can make that happen. Sometimes we just can't. And so we have to then instead find what is that time, what is that day, what is that season or that cycle of rest and silence so that I don't just lose it, so I don't blow up. We have to, we have to do that. And here's the problem is sometimes we think I can't afford to slow down. My life's too busy and I got so many things going on and I just can't afford to stop once a week. I can't afford to stop. I can't do this thing with my family on this day because I got these other things and projects and whatever. We think we can't afford to slow down, but in fact, we can't afford not to. You probably know people, maybe you felt this way, who don't stop and they, they just go and go and go and they are miserable. They are awful to be around. They are on edge. They are angry. They are frustrated. They are tired. They're fatigued. So we have to make this time in the silence to recharge the batteries. Even, so that's where Psalm 23 comes in. Notice this. He says, you make me lie down in green pastures. You make me. So the shepherd's like, you're staying right here on the ground. You're laying down. Sometimes you have to make yourself do that. You've got to say no to this other thing because it can wait. Honestly, it can wait. This project you've been thinking about in the backyard all weekend, if you've been going, 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 it can wait. 
If you've got this other thing going on that's an extra thing, maybe that thing can wait so that you can just maybe have a nap. I know it's a three-letter word. I shouldn't say it in church, nap. Maybe that's what you need. All you need today maybe is just a nap, and that will get you through like the next week. Maybe that's it. Maybe all you need is just a couple hours away to read your favorite book and just get lost in a fantasy world, and then you're, you're ready to go. Maybe all you need today was kind of this time in here with other people of faith and, and maybe to hopefully be encouraged by God's word, to sing really great today. You guys were really on today. It was amazing, right? Maybe that's, that's part of what you need on this day to get you through what's coming up. Because like Jeremiah, you may not know what's coming up, and it may not be good. So you have to prepare yourself with these rhythms of rest and silence to make it through. We all deal with discouragement. It's just part of it. We can't, we can't avoid it, we, we, but we have to overcome it. We can't be overcome by it. And so I pray that even as we talked about, when we fail, we would stay stubborn and move forward. When we fear, that we would rely on God's strength to push past that by faith. And when fatigue begins to set in, that we would be re-energized in times of silence. If we use these strategies, I'm telling you, if we try to apply these things as best we can, I believe we can fend off and fight and overcome discouragement much more easily, much more often. So it's just these simple things that we can do to fight these things that we all deal with every day as the Holy Spirit helps us and enables us to move forward through discouragement. Let's pray. God, we all do, we, we know the reality, we understand the truth that life is difficult. Life can be very difficult at times, and discouragement is a real thing. But my prayer is that you would help us to overcome discouragement, to push through our discouragement. So God, when we fail, would you help us to learn from those? Would you help us to repent if, we, if that's necessary, uh, and whatever that failure might be? And would you help us to not give up? but to move forward in spiritual stubbornness, even in our failure. And God, when fear creeps in, would you give us your strength? Would you be our strength? Help us to avoid trying to do it all, be it all, have all the answers, but seek you for those things. Find that strength that we need in you. And God, I pray that even when we're fatigued, especially when we're fatigued, that we would lean into you to find the rest that we need to find the silence that we need, to be re-energized, rejuvenated with what you offer us, to see you in the silence and in the stillness. And so even through difficulty, setbacks, pain, disappointment, discouragement, that we would find all we need in you. In you, we overcome. In you, we have victory. And so we proclaim that, live in that, and walk in that. Even though discouragement may come, Failure will happen, fear will come, fatigue is part of life, but we find all we need in you. And in that, we overcome discouragement and we find victory in you. And I thank you for that. So God, I pray that you would energize us even now as we leave this place today to give us a great start to our week this week and bring us back next time ready for more and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen.